stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Happy Friday. This is Tony Gapastone. I am live in Redwood City, California at the Brave Maker headquarters, and I'm excited to have our Friday weekly show with my co-host, Christina Jackson. Hey, what's going on, Tony? I'm coming to you from Dublin. I'm in the East Bay, and I'm super excited about today's show. This is wonderful. So festive. Before we get to our guest today, we always start our show by asking, how are you braving your way? So, Christina, how have you been braving your way this week for your creative goals? With education. I cannot even tell you how illuminating and inspiring and empowering it has been reading Ibram X. Kendi's Stamped from the Beginning. I know you're also reading this book. I just want to say for everyone, regardless, if you're in America, this is history that you have rarely heard expressed and shared and communicated in this way. Definitely take a deep dive into this book. I have it on Audible and I have the book and I'm just, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. Education, know your history. That's awesome. So you kind of gave like a, a pre-Brave fave, stamped from yeah. the beginning. Uh, that the is, beginning. That, if you've heard of how to be an anti-racist, you've heard of Ibram yes. Kendi. So go check that out. Uh, I was braving my way this past weekend with doing our trailer for The Thorns We Live With. So I want to give a huge shout out to the cast and the crew who brought that together. And I want to tell my partner in... Behind the scenes, uh, so much thank you to, this is uh, Daquan Richard. He was with us on set all weekend long, and it was super great. I'm going to show you just a quick little uh, clip from what we did on on the set. But it was just so cool. Like This is a, a feature film that I've been working on for years upon years. And my hope is was to have it in production right now. But obviously, COVID, pandemic, all that kind of stuff changes things. So we are still raising funds for it. And we just got some actors together and some of the Brave Maker crew. And we took four or five scenes from the feature film. And we're basically going to put what's called a proof of concept. So thank you to, oh, Daquan is here. Daquan's like, I'm present. Hi, Daquan. <laughs> uh, Daquan made this behind the scenes video for us and we will be releasing this soon. But huge thank you to the cast and crew who got together on this really beautiful property in Woodside, California. The whole story is about a, a dysfunctional family who has to reconcile all the skeletons in their closet by coming together at Thanksgiving when their mother overdoses and goes into a coma. So it was really fun to direct these actors and kind of work out the story a little bit and play around. So we ask this question every week because you can do it. You can make your creative dreams and yes. goals come to life one step at a time, one, one thing every week. If you just do one thing every week, that's gonna push it forward, okay? That's why we say, how are you braving your way in the industry and in your creative goals. So keep going after it, Brave Makers. And this conversation is going to inspire you to do that as well. So I got to meet our special guest via another friend of mine who has a podcast. So Pilar Alessandra, thank you for connecting me with Rick Bosner. We talked uh, shop a couple months ago over Zoom during the pandemic, and then he just released the film we're gonna talk all about today. So I said, let's have you on our show. So let's welcome to the Brave Maker podcast, Rick Bosner. Yay. Hey, thanks, Tony. Thanks, Christina. 
So glad to be here. And Rick is a Bay Area guy too. So he is awesome. in the Bay Area right now. So Rick, let's just jump in with that same question. Kind of how did you brave your way in the industry? How did you become a producer and director? Man, it's, you know, it's a long journey. Um, I grew up in upstate New York. Uh, originally, I was born in Bogota, Colombia. I'm adopted. Uh, my parents are Irish and uh, grew up in upstate New York uh, in the theater, doing a lot of community theater and, you know, public access commercials, things like that as a kid. Uh, and then, you know, I was surrounded by it my entire life, you know, my parents working in it. So, uh you know, this is always what I wanted to do. I always wanted to produce, write, direct, uh, this be involved in this industry. Uh, so from a young age, I kind of set my sights on that. And uh, I ended up, you know, always wanting to go to California when my parents said one year, oh, you know, do you want to go to Europe or do you want to go to California? It's like, California, that's where we got to go. That's where they make movies. <laughs> like, are you kidding? It's a no brainer, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, I ended up out here and uh, I came to San Francisco uh, originally to go to the Academy of Art, uh, where I graduated from. And uh, basically, you know, the Bay Area was my cornerstone, my foundation for filmmaking. Uh, and it's it's such a wonderful community of people out here. Uh, I owe a lot to to everybody. And, and I really do feel blessed that, you know, I started my career in the Bay Area with such a uh, a great group of people who really, it's almost like, you know, a community theater type thing where people are really yeah. trying to support each other. Uh, and I always try to do that too, with what I do to pay it forward and make sure people are being heard, represented, do everything like that. So, yeah. Bay Area represent. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> because we are, we are in the Bay Area. We have to talk about Fruitvale Station, I mean, it's such an incredible film. Brave Maker is all about telling brave stories. This was such a brave story. Also really difficult, you know, especially if you're from the Bay Area or if you've experienced trauma from violence. And uh, we're gonna get into a little bit of this story. If you have and you're in the Bay Area and you've been struggling, you know, with post-traumatic stress disorder, um, definitely reach out and get some resources, find some help. Uh, there's a tremendous book that I've been using personally um, I don't know if Tony, if you want to pull that up, she's an amazing writer and her name is, um, I'm going to pull this up right here. It's called Transforming Traumatic Grief. And I've been using it just for myself, um, because we are all in a time right now where we're in a difficult space, uh, we're fighting racism and in the Bay area, we definitely feel that Fruitvale Station brought that story to life in such a real and impactful way. Uh, just to get back really quick. So her name is Courtney. Um, if you are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder, definitely reach out. She's on Facebook as well and seek out her work. But Rick, what about this story made you say, you know what, I could bring that to life. And something else that's really magical about you is you did it You did it with nothing. You look like, oh, that story is amazing. There's no budget, no problem. I could yeah. do that. Like, <laughs> what, what made you feel like I got it? I could do that. Well, you know, it was funny. I... I originally, before I came to San Francisco and went to the Academy of Art, I went to a little school in Dayton, Ohio called Wright State University, where I met Hannah Beachler, who was the production designer and now Academy Award winning production designer since uh, Black Panther uh, at school. And I had been doing, I was driving from Los Angeles 
to San Francisco and she gave me a ring and was like, oh, did you hear about this movie they're doing about Oscar Grant? And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my, like, I was so surprised too because the events of 2009 hit were so recent. Like it had really just happened and now a movie was gonna be made. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I hadn't heard about that. Um, but then I got a call from uh, Nina Yang and Forrest and Ryan that it was, this movie was gonna happen and they had been putting it together. And, you know, would I join them in making this, you know, to put this together for basically nothing. Uh, and I'll tell you the way we did it was because this story had to be told. It, it was, mm -hmm. It was, I mean, people have been saying it now almost, and, and you don't realize it till now, but it, it's the beginning of a Black Lives Matter, you know, movement of a message. And yeah. Ryan was way ahead of his time in being, putting this on the screen. And I just knew, oh, I have to be a part of this. And it wasn't hard because we all knew that this was a story that had to be told. I have to say that the Bay Area unions and everybody, they worked with us to make this happen. The, the BART transit system, they worked mm -hmm. with us to you know, make this happen for nothing. Uh, and it's all built on relationships. Basically, when this was happening, we were called, we had no money to make it. And at the same time, we had uh, Blue Jasmine, which was Woody Allen's film at the time was filming in the Bay Area. And I had friends that were very seasoned union folks that would do time on Blue Jasmine and come over it after they were wrapped and help us. So it was this, um, you know, I, I, I felt really blessed and it was all based on friendships, you know, and I, I think that's an important thing. And in filmmaking, you know, films aren't really built on money, they're built on relationships. And mm -hmm. it's important to nurture those and uh, keep them, you know, close to you. So a good quote films aren't built on money they're built on relationships you've probably heard things like that in others it's not who you know or it's who knows you and that kind of thing which makes it really tough sometimes to make movies uh anywhere but especially you know in, in the bay area what are your thoughts about by the way we've got uh, vincent cortez who's been on our show before another bay area producer and director a hard-working producer and is definitely passionate about his work thanks vincent for for chiming in uh <laughs> what kind of thoughts do you have about conquering those obstacles to get films made what kind of things should and can I hate the word should sometimes. What can people be doing? What could they be doing to conquer some of the pushback that we get, the rejection, the lack of resources and money, uh, representation, et cetera? Any thoughts around that area would be great. Well, you know, I think it's it's really, it depends on, on what you're trying to do and what you're willing to give up. Are you willing to be a collaborator? Films are collaborations, not one. You can't just make a movie by yourself just you you can't do it i mean if you want to do TikTok or something like that yeah sure you can do that by yourself and take a selfie right you want to make a movie you need people and you need to put positive people around you you need to you know the the great thing about filmmaking is you can allow yourself to be pulled into parts of our world that you don't even understand you know that maybe you were in a part of your life before you know, being pulled into, you know, different types of cultures and ethnicities mm -hmm. and, and, and lifestyles. And that, to me, that's like, 
a, another layer of filmmaking that I didn't even realize would happen when I started getting into the industry. And I feel so lucky to have experienced certain certain movies. You know, I did a whole movie once where I worked with almost an entire crew of, of deaf people and learned sign language and learned the communication and, uh, you know, working with uh, Benjamin Bratt and working with the Native American community. It's like so many wonderful things and wonderful people that, you know, once you make a movie, you, people don't understand, especially when you're producing, you live with that movie for the rest of your life <laughs> because there's work to be done on it regardless or questions about it. And so once, when you decide to do a project, it's really, it's a commitment that am I willing to be involved with this till the end? Cause that's how it is. That's funny. The way that you describe it, it sounds like so you get a story, you're looking over a script, and it's kind of like if you're on a dating app, you know, like, am I going to swipe on this? Am I, do I want to engage? Because this, this could be, you know, this is a relationship that, you know, who knows where it's going to go. Exactly. It's very true. I, that's how I feel about it anyway. I really take that seriously when I'm considering to do a project. You know, is the material great? Are the people great? Am I bringing positivity and something in my life that, is going to be worth it. So let's talk about that. Fonzie, thanks for chiming in. He says it's great to be a part of projects that hold a powerful message that align with our values. So as you are looking for projects that you're selecting, you're talking about the people, obviously you're talking about the story. Are there things that, you know, you look back into your past and go, oh, I really loved this film because it really aligned with who I am as a person. What kind of things really get you excited to, what stories get, get you excited to tell? Well, I mean, underrepresented voices are really, I mean, that's what's really exciting to me. When you have, you know, I did a movie uh, called MDMA with Angie Wang, who's a Bay Area director, Asian American director. And when I read her story, which is semi-autobiographical, I was just like, this is great because it wasn't a trope of, of the Asian American experience, you know, it wasn't just all this fluff of, it, it really, it was a really great character study of a human being that, is, you know, Asian American women being portrayed in a light that was fully rounded. And I just, I really loved being a part of it. And I thought she was a great talent and very brave to tell her, her story the way that she did very openly. So, uh, and that's, you know, out anywhere. You can see that too. It's on the Showtime and everything now, but um, it was a, we filmed that all in the Bay area. Um, and it was, it was great. Yeah. You've had a lot of really cool projects with really cool people. I love being a Bay area person. Cameron is chiming in saying, uh, Thanks for all the insight. Thanks for watching, Cameron. There's a lot of great people in the Bay Area. And if you're watching from the Bay Area, I hope this gets you stoked and excited to make your stuff come to life. Um, we at Brave Maker, we are very much aligned with justice, diversity, inclusion, wanting to tell stories that need to be told. But I... Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about money because there's a lot of good stories out there. There's a lot of great, talented people, but it's like money. How? Uh, let's talk about money, like getting money. 
um, is a tough thing. How have you found yourself getting financing for some of these projects? And let's be real about being a producer. You're not living high in the hog. You're not owning, you know, homes all over the world. It's tough being a producer because sometimes you start on a project without getting paid, right? Let's hear about that. Anything you want to share about that process? Oh yeah. I mean, starting out when you're developing stuff, you're not making money developing things, you know, and that's why you got to really pick and choose what you want to do. You know, finding money for a project, once you know what it is you're making, you got to think about, okay, well, what's, who's my target audience, you know, and is it commercial and how commercial is it? Maybe it's not a super commercial movie. For example, Fruitvale Station at the time, it was not, I mean, that was a hard movie to get financed. We were still financing it while we were making it because when you put all the numbers together, it didn't equal, you know, box office gold. So, you know, how can you, how can you still keep the quality and do it at a reasonable price, you know? And when you're looking for financing, it's, well, who's going to put their money into this movie? And is it something that you would put your money into, into if you, if you had it, you know, and how much would you be willing to do? Like, really, I think you have to ask yourself that because, you know, when you're doing a movie also, like, what are you willing to risk or give up to make it? You know, a lot of times these directors don't even get paid to do their million dollar movie. So, you know, they're, it, the opportunity is to get a couple hundred thousand dollars to move forward. Yeah. So, yeah. I know there's a lot of people watching who are actors and creatives in the Bay Area. So if you have questions, we're with uh, Rick Bosner, who is a film producer who is in the Bay Area. He's got a huge IMBD credit list. You should definitely check out. And we're talking to him today about his films, uh, one of them being Fruitvale Station. We're excited to talk about Black Bear starring Aubrey Plaza. But before we get to that, I think it's interesting to just note that question, but are you willing to put your own money in? And I think, you know, I hate sometimes feeling like you have to do it all as a creative, but that is part, or it's one way, it's one way people do it, like acting, directing, writing, producing, you kind of almost have to, no, that's been my journey. I've had to figure it out. Some people, not so much, but I, I definitely feel there's something to be said about to actors specifically, I want to talk to actors in the Bay Area, like the waiting around, right? The, your agent sends you on all these auditions, you're not booking anything. What can you do about that? Start writing stuff, start finding producers. And I think put some money aside that you yourself can invest into yourself by investing into a film project, because I think that's one of the things that's gonna help move forward. We always say brave your way. If you're willing to invest in yourself by finding someone who's a writer or partnering with someone who's a producer and director and taking your money and making something happen, it's part of that. I, I meet way too many actors who are like, not willing to do that but it's like that's, right that's really important you've got to invest your own money well it's interesting too i to that point i would say maybe mm, like five years ago three years ago i would say a little bit different for actors but right now it's never been a better time if you can be a self-promoter you don't need money you can go on instagram and create your persona of all the things that you want to be perceived as and as an actor and I've seen people do it. I've I've seen them start from you know the bottom and really make a name for themselves. And it's it's really amazing now the ability to just kind of self promote. I mean, even more so than the Ben Affleck Matt Damon days. You can really make your stamp 
on the internet and i'll tell you casting directors are looking at stuff like social media of who they want to put in it doesn't you don't need to be you know some big a hollywood celebrity to start out it's you know are you getting traction people are looking at that so it's good so you're excited to come to california start making films how do you feel like you're living that experience now what part of it is what you expected and what part of it is not at all what you expected making movies in california would be like <laughs> well you know i what the difference you know i I'm, i guess i'm kind of living what i what I wanted. I, I really do kind of feel fortunate. I, you know, getting to work in, in these independent films, this space is, is really what I love. I mean, I'm not so much the like superhero corporate kind of person. Uh, so really getting to tell these stories, something like Black Bear that, I mean, to get that financed by a major studio would be near impossible to do. Uh, it's just so out there and different, uh, but that's what really excites me. Um, you know, I guess living in California too, I didn't realize how much traveling I would do. I do do a lot of travel. I film movies in a lot of different places. Black Bear, you know, example that was filmed in the Adirondacks in New York. Uh, Maplethorpe, a film I did in New York. I've, I, I end up kind of bouncing all over the place. So um, I really, I love the Bay Area and that's why I stay here too. But I also end up spending a lot of my time other places, so. Yeah, you enjoy the challenge of you You have a story, it's phenomenal, and you make up your mind, this is going to get made. And you don't mm -hmm. mind that a big studio is not going to get behind it. You kind of like finding alternative methods. What's your first step for doing that? Like, you you have a story, and you have an amazing gift, too, for identifying a story that is beautiful and genius and compelling. Black, I mean, the work that you've done is so amazing. So where, where's your first step? You know studio is not going to back this. What does Rick do next? Well, then I look at it and I think, what what kind of value can I bring to this project? And I kind of price it out too. Like, what's the price point? What's a price point that is acceptable where you could actually monetize on it? You could make money. And it may be a very low number, but I want to make money at, a, at, at the end of the day. So you got to kind of keep it low. And if people all understand that coming into it, you know, you can get some really exciting people uh to be involved you know i did another movie that was really fun and, and again low budget called the wannabe uh martin scorsese eping and dean devlin you know from like independence day and that was starring patricia arquette the year right before she got her oscar um who doesn't want to be a part of a scorsese mob movie you know that was like <laughs> that was a dream come true too so uh you know but doing it you got to look at it really what things are valued for you know mm -hmm. for the marketplace and right now it's it's hard to break through the noise there is so much on these streaming platforms yeah. how you know how are you going to do something that's really big when all this other stuff is smaller it, you know it's tricky yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and reportedly Riverdale was done for less than a million less than it a was million done. dollars it was yeah. done for nine hundred thousand dollars yep yep that's it that's so. incredible. I'm just curious. I'd love to know the breakdown. I don't know if that's like too much. Like, where does where does that money go towards? Like, what did you do? Well, you know, I, you know, all the actor. I mean, it was a union film in terms of all the actors got paid. SAG. It was all through SAG. Um, Ryan and I beforehand literally went and sat down with the unions before we started filming to ask for their blessing that we 
didn't have to work with them. We told them what the movie was, it really had to be made, and I vouched for it. I said, we cannot afford to pay the union dues and everything on this. We just can't, we wanna use your people and they wanna work on it, are you okay? And they agreed, you know? And that's the thing too with filmmaking and all that stuff, people try to cut corners and do things kind of, you know, sneaky sometimes, but you gotta be careful. And I always find, especially when doing low budget things, it's much better to be honest with people and let them decide for themselves if they want to, you know, be a part of it or not. Just be very transparent. Like if I had more to give, I would, and I will give you as much as I can give you and all the materials that you need to do your job. I mean, I really respect what all the departments do. And I've, you know, when I was starting out, I took my time to get to know the departments I didn't know anything about. Uh, for example, Aggie Rogers, who was our costume designer on Fruitvale Station, who was nominated for the color purple and worked on The Fugitive and Return of the Jedi. And, you know, she's taught me more about how the costume department works than anybody else, you know, and that's great. It, it helps me understand where money needs to go or in mm -hmm. makeup or whatever it is. So, um, again, collaboration. That's, that's it. We're going to get cool. into some specific films. I want to talk about other people and Black Bear, but Jackson asked a question, said, thank you. Uh, great live chat. Who would you say are the top three film producers in film history? Such a big, broad question, but maybe we could like respond to one. Is there one producer that you really like that you really, uh, I think of Steven Spielberg like or George Lucas, like the, the, the films that they produced, you know, so powerful. Now Kathleen Kennedy taking over, which is pretty cool. But what would you say, Jackson? Uh, Rick. Well, you know, honestly, I grew up like, I don't know, I must be like a 90 year old man, but like I grew up watching black and white movies as a little <laughs> kid. I really did. Not kidding. I grew up watching Hitchcock and Orson Welles and all these things. I mean, I, I know this sounds really weird, but like, seriously, I watched Citizen Kane a million times as a kid. <laughs> and when I found out that he did everything, I was even more fascinated with it. It sounds crazy, like very weird film school thing. But, you know, I thought I always thought that was really cool. Um, other people that I really liked, you know, I liked William Castle, who did a lot of like crazy uh, stuff in the 60s. Some of the, you know, like psycho bizarre things that he did then. Uh, and currently, I mean, there are great people, you know, like I, I love what, I mean, Tyler Perry has done, I just can't yeah. believe it. Like he's got his whole, he set it up. He is the yeah. Orson Welles of right now. Like he just was like, no, 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 I'm not dealing with this and did it. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> it is. Amazing, so, yes. And it's, that changed Atlanta in a major mm -hmm. positive way. And you want to talk about how, the whole world has kind of shifted, especially over there. I mean, he brought a whole, you know, fill a business to that, to the area and has been really inclusive to bearing all these people. So I don't know. I just, I think that's really cool. So. Nice. Right on. All right. Well, let's, uh, I gotta, we have to watch a trailer or two because some of your work is just really, really fun. And I, well, we'll get to Black Bear, but I love <laughs> other people so much. Other people, you've been to Sundance a few times too, so we need to talk about that because there's so much. I started Brave Maker because of Sundance and my love for that film festival experience. But let's watch other people. If you have not seen 
this film, please do. It stars Molly Shannon and Jesse Plemons. It is a wonderful story, quirky about family coming together and dealing with sickness. And it's just done in such a beautiful, intimate, humorous, and lovely way. So let's watch uh, the trailer for other people. Here's a fun topic, um, cremation. Oh, I'm not gonna, we talked about this. I, don't I know, know. We, I, know I, I know we talked about it, I just wanna. I'm not gonna be burned up, okay? I don't, how would you like it if somebody set you on fire? No, thank you. Well, it's not like they light you, you know. I don't like camping and I don't like fires and I don't wanna be personally lit on fire. I wanna be frozen, do they have that as an option? That's right. You in Sacramento! New York City boy in the house. You're not too good for us now, are you? <laughs> I'm glad that you're moving home for a bit. Your mom's gonna need a lot of help. Don't look at us. We're drug addicts. <laughs> I thought you didn't want to try a medical marijuana. Well, I tried it. <laughs> It's just pretty. It is. I feel like it's too subtle. <laughs> you know, your mother was supposed to be born dead, so she's still very, very lucky. Oh, man. That's her doctor. I mean, he's dead, but if he wasn't, you could. He hung himself. That's true. I read your letter. Please, but don't go outside. I can't stand to see him licking his penis. Don't, don't no, no, stop it. <laughs> Does anybody have any questions about what's going on with mom? I still love you. I die, you gotta live your life. Except you can't date anyone for a year. And you can't date that slut who came to the door today. When it's all said and done. I just travel the whole world real quick. So you could just see everything. I get to see my whole world at dinner tonight. All I ever wanted was to be a mother. You know, my I thought when your mom dies, you get that beautiful revelation about life. And just everything becomes clear. Because nothing. <laughs> it just feels like something that happens to other people. Oh, but nothing takes the place of you. Yeah, well, now you're other people to other people. Remember that wand that I bought on the internet? I looked it up and it doesn't cure cancer. Well. Oh my gosh. When I saw that film, like that, that was like, that's the type of film I, I want to make. It's so great. So lovely. Went to Sundance. Anything you want to say about that film and experience with that? I mean, it was just a movie that I, I had to be a part of when I read the script, I was laughing out loud by myself. And that does not happen normally. Uh, and you know, Chris Kelly sharing his story, it, it for me at that time too was very personal. It, my father had just passed away from cancer. It was something I really connected to, um, and I just you know I, I was just really fortunate to be a part of that. We filmed it all in Los Angeles again, very low budget. Uh, but everyone that was involved, I mean, I brought a lot of Bay Area people there too. You know, my UPM was a Bay Area person, Stacey Warren. Uh, I brought all kinds of different folks, and it was. Uh, it was a great experience, yeah. So cool. All right, next trailer we are going to watch is Black Bear, and we'll, we'll uh, wrap up our conversation with this new film that just came out, was also a Sundance premiere, and uh, 
get ready. I hope you all uh, saw it so you can ask some good questions with no spoilers, but we're ready to get into it. So stand by and I'm gonna share Black Bear that stars Aubrey Plaza. You're Allison? Yeah, you're Gabe? Hi, I'm Allison. Oh, I know. I'm Blair. You're really pretty. You are too. You used to be an actress and now you're a director. Why'd you give it up? I didn't. So do you guys have a plan for this place? I don't really know what we're doing. We were living in Brooklyn and it was getting so expensive and we weren't really working, so. I figured if um, I never learned how to cook, then I would never become a housewife. You're really hard to read. Yeah, you know what? I get that all the time. Do you find it weird acting in your own films? I actually find it kind of humiliating. Roll sound. Mark. Okay, whenever you're ready. Action. You don't think she knows what I'm up to? She's oversimplifying a lot. It's just so rare to pick a real artist's brain. How can you make something if you don't have anything to say? I have something to say. I just think the movie is the only way to say it. It's like she can't stand the fact that I have a single thought about the world. No, it's that I can't stand the thoughts about the world that you have. This has been so fun. <laughs> you don't love me anymore. Leave me alone! I'm wondering what kind of mind games you're playing with me. He's my husband, okay? Claire, can you just calm, can you calm down a little bit? Me? <laughs> Since the second I got here. <laughs> You're in love with her, you are, I know it. This is what you wanted, okay? This is going to ruin us. Okay, I just want to be normal people again. Ooh, <laughs> loved it. Love Black Bear. Love the dialogue. Oh my goodness, so many uncomfortable moments. It was so real. Oh, you know, it was you. so fresh. Yeah, it was a trip. It was a trip to make, definitely. And Larry did a wonderful job with the script. Uh, Larry Michael Levin, our director. Um, it's it's was a really great movie to be a part of. So, and the actor. So I knew Aubrey. I know. Recognize Aubrey from Parks and Rec. Like, I love that show and I love seeing what she did. It was a dramatically different character. I love actors. Yeah. I love seeing when they transform that way. Christopher Abbott, I was introduced to his work in Girls, who I don't know, Tony, if you've seen Girls, but uh, the creator of Tiny Furniture, who we've talked about uh, that documentary. She's, uh, I think, the writer for the show and she's also stars in the show. And he's fantastic. He also, like, dramatically yeah. different from any of his other work that I've seen. It was just super fun. I don't want to say a lot about it. Uh, no spoilers, you know, but Black right. Bear. Black Bear. Thank you. Yeah. Another film that went to Sundance. And I think why I think, I mean, anytime you ask a producer or a filmmaker about what is what do you want people to take away from the film? It's like always the wrong question. It's always like, ask yourself, what did you take away from the film? So I'm going to share just a little bit without spoiling it. Just watching that trailer, you could pick up some things. But this idea about the struggle, the creative struggle 
actor and writer, right? The 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 angst and the all of the pain that comes from trying to birth something into the world is what I took away from it. And sometimes how that is so mentally challenging upon a person and upon a person's relationships. I was wondering, you said other people was very personal for you. How might this film have been personal for you? How did you connect with Black Bear? Well, you know, I really love this movie. When I read the script, I thought the dialogue was really great. And it really felt to me very much like, uh, just from the script, a Cassavetes, woman under the influence type of movie. Um, and it also, you know, one of my favorite plays is also the micro friend Noises Off, which is a film, and a, well, it's originally a play, but also a film where you're yeah. seeing a play while it's being rehearsed and then that. and performed. And then the second act, you see it from backstage. I loved that play. <laughs> I loved it as a kid. And this just had so many elements for me where, and very doable for what we were trying to make it for that this was something I wanted to do. And also going to upstate New York. I grew up in upstate New York and you know, I, I know this area really well. Brought a lot of Bay Area people from from here too. Our first AD, first AD Hilton Day, uh, Josie Rodriguez, our key makeup, uh, you know, all the different departments. People really came out to support. So it was great, yeah. On a practical standpoint, filming in practical, mostly one location. So talk about that and, you know, in regards to people wanting to make the film, wanting to make a film, something to keep in mind is how can you keep the budget down? Well, find limited locations, find something you have access to filming inside, outside, which is what this was all about, like a retreat center. Can you talk a little bit about that at all? It was, yeah. So we filmed this in Long Lake, New York, in the Adirondacks, in this amazing, I don't want to say it, it's a cabin, it's not, it's like a mansion. Um, but it was very secluded. And we didn't even realize how secluded it will be until we got there. And there was no cell service, mm. no internet. And <laughs> it, making a movie like that these days, was a challenge it was definitely <laughs> tough to do so again having we brought on a lot of people that you know i had worked with most of these people i'd worked with I, i'd say you know three to five times so having that already kind of connection with folks about and knowing how they work knowing that they communicate well with other people that was that was the key essential element to making this movie because the the everything around it was so difficult so and how was that your first time connecting with aubrey had you had a relationship with her in the past no that was my first time doing a film with aubrey aubrey became involved because her and the director uh larry had been in an episode of looking or not looking sorry of easy which is a show on netflix where they played husband and wife uh and larry had written the script for her and she just you know believed in Larry wanted to be involved. So uh, yeah, it was my first time working with Aubrey, uh, Audrey, she was amazing. And, uh, you know, she really was just part of the team, you know, just fully was involved. And the easiest person to work with, really grateful when you have amazing talents that are so high profile like that, that are just on board to make it happen, you know, and she became a producer as well. She did. Yeah. I mean, she brought a lot to it. You know, she really pulled on her connections. You, and that's again, relationships. Aubrey has different relationships than anybody else that she can ask for help for things as do I or another producer or whatnot. And that's what 
and it's all that's how these things happen for nothing. So that's great. Awesome. Christina, any final questions before we go into Brave Faves? I want to ask this question, but I feel like it might keep us here another hour. I'll do it anyway. <laughs> Rick, <laughs> you work you work with people on the film that you work with before. Who's like your core team? Like immediately you get a script, you know you want to bring the story to life. Who's your team that you reach out to immediately? Like the platform for the team that you're going to build to bring it to life? Well, it really kind of depends where in the world I'm shooting it. I got my New York people, my Bay Area people, my Austin people, you know, but sometimes it doesn't even really matter. Like on a movie like Black Bear, it's like I had to work with Tracy Dishman, my production designer. We did, this was our, designer. yeah, she was our fourth, our fourth movie together. And then after this, we did a Blumhouse movie that's coming out next year. Um, Josie Rodriguez, who's my uh, head makeup department from the Bay Area, Hilton Day, who's a great first AD, you know, this people, like when these movies are done, my relationship with these people doesn't end. I, I guess I care about what happens in these people's lives. I, and they're people I wanna be in contact with. So those are the people I, I wanna spend time with. So that's who I wanna work with, you know? So awesome. it's just, yeah. Anytime we get producers on, well, this will be our last question before we end. Uh, Robertino saying, what advice would you give to an aspiring producer? And another question is, I like just hearing how producers describe what it means to be a producer. Because it's everything and anything. But what would you say? <laughs> uh, what advice would I give? It's, you know, I, I always go back to this story. But when I was here in the Bay Area, uh, I was filming my student film on Treasure Island. And I'm filming, I had all my, you know, my crew around me that were students. And this random guy comes up to me and goes, oh, you know, what are you doing? I was like, oh, you know, I'm shooting my, my student film. And oh, what's it about? So I tell him. And then my first lady tells me we got to get the shot. So I'm like, all right, great. Well, I say, well, it's really nice to meet you. My name's Rick, by the way. And he goes, oh, well, I'm Chris Columbus. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't put it. I was like, all right. And he's like, well, Rick, when you're done, we're shooting rent right next door. You want to come hang out. So just such an amazing experience as a young filmmaker. He had all my key crew come over to the rent set. The keys, like my first AD, he got to meet his first AD. My production designer met his production designer. And I hung out with Chris and he just said, Rick, you know, I just, you know, they were setting up this big dance shot. And he's like, you see all these people here? And I said, yeah. And he's like, all these people here, those are my film school buddies. So those are the people you know, you keep those relationships. That's what it about, what, what you're doing right now. And I never forgot that. It was very inspiring. I've seen Chris since several times, and I don't know if he still remembers the story, but I always tell him it's like, it's it was so great. Yeah. So cool. Find That's your crew. Yeah. Find your Brave Maker crew. All right, right on. Well, it's time to end the show with our end of the week <laughs> Brave Faves. Brave Faves. TV shows, films, books, songs, technology, clothing, podcast food, and more. These are a few of our favorite people, places, and things. Brave Faves. All right, so every week we end our show with some of our favorite things, and I'm going to share. I'll start, and then you get to go, Rick, and then we'll have Christina round us out. So I'm reading this book right now. Uh, by a little a little known person who started uh, a streaming network called Netflix, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Reed Hastings, and it is fantastic. It is called 
no rules rules and i want to really recommend you check it out it's not so much about the film world as it really is about leadership and entrepreneurialism but i think mm -hmm. as filmmakers and creative people out the, out there you'll take away things about like being transparent finding the top talent uh they talk a lot about like sometimes how we keep people in you know our our companies or on our film crews and they're not lifting their weight they're not bringing value we kind of like uh, we try to be a family which i'd love being a family as a creative person uh but sometimes you have to go like we need to get the best people to do the job and especially making films those people who don't pull their weight can pull the companies or the film projects back so i, I really am taking a lot from this book i'm almost finished no rules rules by reed hastings is my brave fay for the week what you got rick um, okay, so I just thought of this. Uh, I tried Impossible Burger for the yes. first time. Impossible Foods, right? Um, I'm not vegan. It's just something I've been toying with as I try to cut meat out of my diet, and it was really good. I mean, it, it's, it tastes pretty much like beef. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, I, I think it may even be a Bay Area company. I'm not sure. It's all plant-based. Uh, but it's uh, it's interesting. I, I I was a fan. Nice and save the yeah. planet at the time. There are there's scientific research that eating plant based is going to help our planet. That's great. I, I like it, Rick. All right, Christina, what you got? What's your brave faith? Well, as you know, I'm all about the comic book life. Shout out to Jacob Kruger Studio. I'm studying under American comic book writer Ron Mars. I'm working on my own comic book. I got the King T'Challa shirt on today. And I recently discovered Marvel 616 on Disney Plus. It is so phenomenal. Specifically, episode two is all about the women. And we're getting an unofficial Brave Maker. She did that award to Sanaa <laughs> Amnach, creator of Miss Marvel. So excited about her work. It's so just, it's amazing. I, I think this is the first Muslim character that we're seeing with Marvel. And it's just an amazing story. And I want to tell you all about it because you want to watch episode two all about the women to hear her story. It's an amazing journey. On that, I gotta add one more on Antebellum, uh, starring Janelle Monet. I just watched it last night. Oh my goodness. If you have not seen this movie, it is breathtaking. She did a phenomenal job. We're gonna go ahead and give her another. She did that award. Janelle should win like, every award possible. Like what she did in this movie, I my, my jaw was on the floor. It was just, and it's beautiful. Cinematically speaking, it is a stunning, stunning movie written and directed by Christopher Renz and Jerry Bush. It's just, it's amazing. A must see. Those are my faves. Right. Oh, those are good. <laughs> all right. So, hey, you know, when we end the show, I always say thank you to all of our patrons and sponsors. Thank you for everybody who has been watching with us today. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, next week, we have filmmaker, director, Jen McGowan, who had one of the top 10 films on Netflix uh, last week called Rust Creek. So join us next Friday, 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We talk to director Jen McGowan of Rust Creek. So watch it on Netflix before you join. And don't forget, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So we exist on your generous donations. You can go to bravemaker.com slash donate to give or use your phone and just text the word bravemaker to 44321. 
And don't forget to sign up for our e-newsletter. Sometimes we're sending out free films that you can watch from our filmmakers. We don't want you to miss out on those things. That's at bravemaker.com slash buzz. All right, and that's our show for today. Rick, this was awesome. Really great to have you as a brave maker. Thanks for joining us. Crystal says, thanks for the fabulous conversation. Thanks, Jackson, for watching. Really appreciate everybody. And uh, we always end the show by saying, brave stories change the world. And you are the story. <laughs> All right. And enjoy our animated bumper by Andrew Davenport. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe. Give us a rating and share with a friend. BraveMaker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.